right. So in the time that we have left together, um, we're going to open up the scriptures in the book of Malachi. This is our last Sunday, finishing our Malachi series uh, where we're talking about hard truths. And we think that there are hard truths in scripture that are good for us. Uh, you might have people in your life who along the way, whether you wanted it or not, gave you some hard truth. They may have done it in a loving way or an unloving way, but either way, they gave you hard truth. And I don't know about you, but there's been many moments of hard truth in my life that were actually grace. And, and, and it was actually the thing I needed to hear, though I probably didn't want to hear it at the time. And Malachi comes in at a point where uh, the people of God, Israel, have uh, been in a time of exile. And they come out of this time of exile and they come back together as a community and a city and they work to build a temple together so that God can dwell with them. And over that time, after about a hundred years, they start to just become indifferent to things. And, and they actually start to to complain a lot, and they start to, to lessen the sacrifices that they're giving to God and giving the cheaper things in their life to Him and, and holding on to the things that are greater and begin to, to worship other gods. And just so many other things just start to happen to where God uses this prophet called Malachi to, to speak to His people. And he, He's been quite harsh with them week in and week out. Uh, and we're not done yet. I think there's, there's one more here. But what I want to do is I just want to simply read I want to point us to maybe a hard truth to consider this morning, and then I want to try on a practice um, that, that we're going to do together, and uh, depending on how long that practice goes, we might have some space to, to chat with the person next to you on, on what it was like, um, and then we'll move into communion from there. So I'm going to read a little bit, share a couple things, and then I'm going to invite you to uh, participate in a way. So we're picking up in Malachi at the end of chapter 3, starting in verse 16, and then we'll move towards the end in 4, 6. So they're coming off of this time when, when Malachi is calling them back to the things that God has called them to. And then they ended last week saying, what is it all worth? Why should we do this when other people who don't do this are benefiting greatly in life? It seems like they're doing the injustices, they're not doing the things that God has invited them to, yet their life is going well. Why should we actually do this if we could just do what they're doing? And then he says, Then, who, the, then those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. He's pointing out that there's, there's a lot of people who are not following the ways, but there's a few left called a remnant. A few people coming together talking about the ways of the Lord in the midst of a, a culture that is pulling away, falling away from the life that God would have, have for them. On the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possession, referring to this small remnant. I will spare them just as a father has compassion and spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. 
and the day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. But for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its rays, and you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. Then you will trample on the wicked. They will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty. Now, a plain reading says that God is just going to burn a number of people, and then the rest are going to turn into like fat calves and frolic around. I don't, just like, do you, what do you, what do you guys want me to do with this? I don't, I don't know why I'm here right now. Um, but there, there, there's something here that would be more of a, what's called like an apocalyptic literature that, that's less common for us, but very common for people 2,000 years ago. An apocalyptic literature is meant to catch people's attention. When you start to hear about uh, people burning and turning to ash and a fattened calf frolicking and actually stomping on these, like it starts to jar your mind and your imagery and it starts to pull you out of maybe the reality that you find yourself in to draw you to something greater. Now, I don't know if we can just draw some form of end times theology or what the whole heaven and hell looks like or anything like that. But, but what we do know is is that, that God is trying to speak to them and pull them out of where they find themselves by using this imagery. And, and apocalyptic literature was very common to help people turn towards something else and recognize the path that they are on will lead to some form of destruction, whether it's now or later. And that there also is a separate way, there's a separate path to choose that will lead to a fattened calf who is well-fed, running in a pasture, having a, a freedom in life that's living above the destruction of life. And for them to start to imagine and be asked, what path are they on? And it will be separated by those who are righteous, those who fear God, and those who are wicked, those who do not obey, those who do not serve. And so, again, I don't think we need to try and make this bigger than it is in the sense of trying to create some theology around it, other than the theology says that there's a God who is trying to wake people up and say, I have better for you. I have more for you. Now, you can keep choosing the ways that you think are best and, and, and the things that might maybe are most innate inside of you, but what that could lead to is more destruction. I have a way for you. And I think a hard truth that we could consider here this morning is this. This world is passing away. There's temptation to be right, to be rewarded, to be revealed, revered while we can. But God's invitation is to righteousness, choosing good, which is God, while waiting for his return when he will set all things right, when righteousness will be rewarded. See, I don't know about you, but like the people here in Malachi, they're saying, what is it worth to be righteous if we see the wicked being rewarded now? Why? Why? I want to be rewarded now. I want to have the things now. I want to be right now. Do you ever, you ever feel that? Like in any of like, I don't know, you're like talking with a friend and like, man, the, the, the work it takes to get them to realize that you're right. Like what, how often, you know what I mean? Like it's so worth it every single time. Because I want to be rewarded now. 
I'm not even going to get into like intimate relationships and marriages and things like that. Like, like the work it takes to be open to the idea that the slow righteousness that may not pay off now, that may not pay off today, that is hard and sometimes begrudging, what it looks like to choose good over and over and over again, God is saying that that will be rewarded one day. And if we know anything about the early church, they were one that oftentimes, most oftentimes grew because they were a patient people. They offered something different to the culture at the time that was seeking to be rewarded in the moment. And they said that our reward is coming at a time. And that actually is what got them through times of persecution. Now here in our cultural moment right now where you can have everything that you want in any moment, where you don't actually need other people and you have everything against you telling you that what matters is now. You need to find a way to stop aging, right? Because you need to, you need to live as long as possible because once that's done, it's, it's done. You need to take advantage of every single moment you have to have your way. And what God is saying is actually the way of righteousness I have for you, you may not find reward in it now. And it's choosing the good over and over and over again even when you feel like you're not being revered, even when you feel like you're not right, even when you feel like you're not rewarded. Sounds terrible, doesn't it? Like, like why? What, what, what is it worth? And, and if we think about what patience does to any of us, think about the times when you've actually waited for things. I think I've told this one before. I was like the kid in the car that had the new toy, and I would open it, and I would lose like six pieces on the way home. And then I would get to the house and just be pissed. Like, this is the worst toy ever. I've, I've been like waiting for this, and then just ruin it because I'm just an impatient human being. But how oftentimes do we do this in life? How oftentimes does impatience lead to the abuse of power? How oftentimes does impatient lead, impatience lead to that thing that you heavily regret in your life? How oftentimes does impatience lead to discretion of your own soul and the destruction of other people? And what God is saying is, can you be patient in the ways that I have for you that are good? Because what happens over time is that the things that are happening good in and through us actually start to be good for other people. And isn't that what mostly God is up to? Turning us into a people that are a blessing to other people. It's a slow game. It's a slow game. If you feel like you're not being rewarded right now, it's probably because you're not. And the reality is that you're not meant to. It's like the kid who got everything they wanted and then they like, turn out to just be that way that you know that person to be like and just can't actually face the hard realities of life and like manage relationships and think about other people and do the things that matter. And so God is using apocalyptic literature here to wake the people up and say that you can choose good or you can choose destruction. And the hard truth is that this world is passing. And the goal is not to get everything out of it, but it's to become good. It's to choose the way of righteousness. And he goes on to say, as we might be asking, how the heck do we even do that? Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and laws I gave to him at Horeb for all Israel. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will return the hearts of the parents to their children, the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. 
Again, we see a little bit more apocalyptic literature here, but what he's saying is that there's something to remember. That there's things that I, God, have done throughout history, throughout you people, that, that is worth remembering. Because, I don't know about you, but oftentimes it's the moments where I forget what patience actually has done in my life that I choose impatience. Right? When, you, when you start to forget the, 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 the benefits of choosing the hard way, choosing the good way, choosing the right way, and we revert right back to just the natural innate thing that I need to have what I want, I need to be revered, I need to be right, I need to be rewarded, and then it turns into a regretful decision or, or something that lacks full meaning or full purpose. And he's saying, well, you remember over and over and over again. And we see this multiple times in Scripture. We'll take communion here in a minute, and even in that, God is, Jesus is saying, remember. Remember my life, remember my death, remember my resurrection, remember the forgiveness that I have for you over and over and over again. Remember that through that forgiveness that you're in right relationship with me. And doesn't that change the way you live when you know that you're actually loved by a God? That it's not actually based on what you can do, but what, what he's done. The freedom that you can live with, the grace that you can live with, the, the, the compassion that you can live with. It's remembering who God is and the things that he's done. So for us this morning, I wonder how often we remember. And I wonder if we have practices to remember. Because I, I don't think we do it naturally. We, we tend to be upwards and to the right. We're always looking for the next thing. We're moving on to the next thing. We're waiting for the next thing. But if we actually look to the past and remember the, who God is, the things that he's done, maybe personally in your own life, but mainly in the scriptures, as he says, remember the law and the prophets. The law refers to the first five books of scripture. A, a young Jewish boy by the age of like 9, 10, 11 would actually have the first five books memorized. And yet we can hardly even name the five, right? Like it's, 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 it's what, so he's saying, remember, I have given you the scriptures. I have given you the, those that have sacrificed their life writing these things because they believed them, them to be so good and to be so true and to be for something greater than themselves. We have the scriptures. And so I just want to give us an opportunity to maybe simplify a way in reading the scriptures. One, one thing, one practice I know I've used and many in the room have been something called Lectio Divina. And what this is, is it's sacred reading. And it's, it's a very simple five-step process. One, we silence ourselves. We pause. We slow down. We be still. We rest. And, and, and then we, we lectio. We, we actually start to, to read. We read a passage. And then we, then we actually don't just mine it for information. We meditate on it. And we sit with it. And we read it a few times over. And we invite God's Spirit to actually speak. Is there a word? Is there a phrase? Is there something that you're highlighting to me right now in this moment? And then we take that forward into prayer. We, we actually say, God, why are you highlighting this thing? Here, here, is this is standing out to me. Here's, here's my prayer. Can I talk with you? Can I talk to you? And then we contemplate the ways that this is to be embedded in our lives and actually invites us forward. Over and over and over again, this is a way to remember, to ease the ways of Scripture. And we're going to try this on in a second, but I don't know about you, I don't use Latin very much in my life. So I have one other way, just a little bit of a spin on the acronym that could be helpful in memory, uh, remembering what this is, and it's just the simple acronym of BREAD. And if you think about bread, you eat it, right? You have small bites, you have large bites. If you're like me, you eat too much of it. Um, but bread, we're prayerfully engaging scripture. We breathe. When we actually sit to breathe, it slows us down. It postures us to receive. 
We're moving into a place of stillness. We read the scriptures. We then encounter it. We sit with it a little bit longer. We ask the questions, what's standing out? What's going on here? We let our mind wander a little bit. We let God speak and highlight to us. And then we imagine what it looks like to apply. What's the thing in this passage that God might actually be asking me to do or to consider, to be, to be formed into, to be changed? And then we, we move into devote. We actually pray saying, God, this is who I want to be through this. This is what you're speaking to me. This, this is what I think you're up to. We can do this individually. We can do this as groups. And so right now, I actually want us to do it as a group with some teachings of Jesus. So I'm going to invite Jason up to play some music behind us. And we're actually going to try this BREAD acronym. Uh, if you want, if this is something of interest to you, well, you can go to midtown.church resources. We have a few things on there. The first one is actually this bread practice. Uh, it's a very simplified description of what we think it, we're up to with it, and then actually a short page to journal. And you can print those, use those, however you'd like. This is something where you can write. This is something that you can just simply sit with and just be open to and not have to write anything down. So can we try this on? This is, this is what I took from this passage. Do we, do we have ways of remembering this morning? Do we have ways of being open to God's spirit through the scriptures to remember who he is, what he's doing, and the things that he's called us to? And what it looks like, I don't know about you, but I can quickly determine what's wrong or what's right, but can we remember what God is saying is right? Can we look at the life of Jesus, who is God's fullness of what is right, and what it looks like to choose a life that turns us into fattened calves, frolicking in the pastures? <laughs> I love it. So why don't we settle in our chairs? And why don't you start to just breathe? One thing that's helpful, even with anxiety, is to breathe in the nose and out the mouth. And what this does is helps you just ground yourself where you're at. You're not in this past week, you're not into next week, you're just simply here right now. While you're breathing, maybe even recognizing the breath that's in your lungs, it's given to you by God. And that in each breath, God is with you. God has made you. God has a purpose for your life. even when your context doesn't feel like it. And now we read. In this first go, you can even just imagine yourself there, picturing what it looks like to be in the scene. Matthew 5, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. 
Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And now we encounter. I'm going to read once, maybe twice. But just being open, what, what phrase, which passage, which word is standing out to you? And then just maybe even asking God why. What about that word or phrase is standing out? Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. What's the invitation you sense that God is inviting you to, to apply? 
Is there something to do from here? Is there something to be open to? Is there something that you need to keep processing? devote ourselves. You can pray to God and with God. What do you want to say to him? What do you want to ask for? What do you want to commit yourself to? stand together if you're able.